0: Are you ready to become the go-to in your industry without having to fake it till you make it? I'm Caroline Vanatta and I teach creatives like you the key that unlocks radical confidence so you can be proudly known as a creative expert. We're gonna have meaningful conversations here to highlight the mindset shifts it takes to become your industry's go-to and stop trading dollars for hours. guys, welcome to this episode where I am interviewing Catherine of Creme Brands. Catherine has been someone that I've followed for a long time back to my wedding stationery days. And it's so apparent how her business has grown because of the level of attention to detail and care for her clients and just her industry knowledge is so strong. And she's someone that I've always really looked up to. This interview is really fun because you're going to get a little bit of a peek inside her mind of how she really runs her business like a CEO, even though she only has a handful of employees. You can see kind of the decisions she's making and how she stepped up as a leader on her team as far as communication and organization, and how that's really allowing her to serve her clients super well, get more referrals. She's just amazing. And she's also gonna share with you guys some branding tips, which I think are really amazing, especially if you are just starting out and kind of figuring that out. Those tips are gonna be invaluable to you. So I can't wait to hear what you think and enjoy this episode. Catherine, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. You want to go ahead and start out by telling us a little bit about your story and how you got here. Thanks so much for having me, Caroline. So about seven years
1: ago, I started Creme Brands, which I do graphic design for small creative businesses, especially wedding professionals. I started out exclusively in that market I really saw a need for people to present their businesses just as polished as their actual work was. So I saw these beautiful cohesive wedding days that lots of different artists were participating in creating for a couple. But what I saw on the business end was that it wasn't so beautiful and cohesive to say the least. They were really underselling themselves with the way they were positioning themselves. And so for myself, I was coming from the perspective of a book cover designer in the publishing industry and doing branding for imprints and publishing. And so I looked at how capable they were, and I knew the power of that first impression. And not only that split-second kind of opinion and feeling you have about a person, a business, a service, or a book, or whatever it is that you are kind of judging the book by its cover... But also, you want to make sure you're carrying that through all the touch points of the business. And so, even if the final product was gorgeous and so well done and with so much care, I saw there was just a huge opportunity to really present their businesses differently. So, I started Cram and started just doing kind of project by project. I was still working in publishing and slowly kind of transitioned out of that till I was ready to dive fully into my business.
0: Amazing. And so what does your business look like now? How many brands are you working with at a time? And what does that process look like?
1: So right now, I'm still doing primarily the creative part of it. So when I say not that other parts aren't creative, but what I mean by that typically in graphic design, we would call the creative, like the creative strategy, the logo, the fonts, the colors, kind of that initial direction. And then I do have a couple other gals that I work with. So... Hannah is our VA. Um, She does administrative stuff. Social media scheduling is fantastic. She also has a VA business. If anyone is interested, we can put that in the show notes, Mm -hmm. a link to her services. And then Rebecca is my designer. She's been with me for, I think it's been like five years now. Wow. Um, But she is also wonderful. She's an old family friend. And she actually started doing some kind of administrative stuff for me when she was in college. And she ended up studying design and photography and is very talented. So she does a lot of our layout design. So I'll create the initial mock-up or design, like the whole style system. And then she'll help me deploy that, whether it's an InDesign for pricing PDFs and things like that, or website layouts. She's really, really great at that. And then also, we just brought on a copywriter named Yossi. And she is really great as well. So yeah, I'm thrilled to be working with these ladies. We're also about to bring on an SEO person. Wow. Um, when When I say we do branding, mm-hmm. yes, it is the visual. But also, there's a strategy. And then there's so many components that make a brand. It's not just the design. Mm-hmm. So my biggest passion is the design. But I would also say I want that design to be really effective. So yeah, I want them to have a purposeful strategic logo, but it needs to be backed by strong copy, good SEO, well laid out website. And so that's why we really all work together to achieve those things.
0: It's like a whole big bundle of all your, I don't know, not business needs, but like branding, I guess that those are all the parts. That's so amazing. And so how long is, I'm curious, is the process to working with most of your clients? So it's about a three-month-long
1: process for full branding. But then because we do offer SEO, copywriting, and different things like that, it can sometimes be you know, three to four. And then, of course, it's contingent on when clients send us their content. So if they need a little mm-hmm. more time, we'll end up launching a little bit later. And then you asked earlier about how many kind of clients we work with at a time. Mm-hmm. That's been something that's been really helpful for me early on was I set a maximum of how many full branding projects we would do a quarter. And I highly recommend that to anyone, whatever stage you're at in your business to figure out with your pricing, how many projects do you actually need to be doing and to make sure your pricing actually supports that. And if, if you're doing something very comprehensive, like branding, or maybe you're doing very comprehensive coaching packages where, you know, there's so many calls that you're doing every month. There's so much research you're doing or follow up or whatever, all that you need to figure out, okay, how much time is that actually taking and what can you actually Mm -hmm. handle? So I figured out early on, I had always tracked my time um, being a contractor in the publishing world. So I carried that over to when I started my business and found that, you know, branding projects are take a significant amount of time. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say up to like 120 hours for a brand new website project, depending on how comprehensive it is. And so just figuring out, okay, like I really need to limit this, not just as some sales gimmick. Cause I think a lot of people mm-hmm. feel like it's gimmicky to say, Oh, mm-hmm. we're booked or Oh, get on our wait list. Mm-hmm. But really as a business owner, you need to figure out what's viable because that will ultimately serve you and your customer the best. Yeah. So we kind of fluctuate. We take on more if we take on smaller projects, obviously. It's, you know, just kind of figuring out how to make all the pieces fit, but we try to go by three full branding projects as like our guide per quarter.
0: Can you dive a little bit deeper into when you started tracking your time? What kinds of things were you finding with that? Like were you spending more time with clients than you thought you would? And how are you navigating that? Yeah,
1: you know, what's interesting with tracking your time is sometimes The things that we as the worker bees in our business, you know, when you're taking that role of actually just being the laborer, there's going to be some tasks that you feel like you're spending forever on. But if you look back, a lot of times it's funny because you realize, oh, I actually didn't spend that long on that thing but maybe you spend a lot more time on something you really loved and kind of lost track of time. So it's funny how that goes. For me, it was really helpful in in early projects that I had. The client wanted to talk on the phone a lot. And at that time I hadn't laid out any kind of, boundary for, okay, so you get this video call at this time, and you get this video call at that time. I hadn't nailed down my process that much. And at the time, I remember feeling like, oh my goodness, I don't have time to get on the phone all the time. But you know, I looked back at my time logs, and it was really, it wasn't that much. I was really just, that was an indicator to me that something was off with my own boundaries, with my own system, because I was feeling like this was such a significant chunk. So I think if you're feeling like something isn't going well in your business, I encourage you to look back at the numbers because that's gonna be very revealing to you that maybe okay, maybe you're actually not spending that much time doing that or maybe you just need to shift your process because your business, you get to make the rules.
0: That is so good because you were looking at, I don't know if you've heard this phrase before, data over drama. Like you're looking at the data, you're taking data of how you're spending your time, how you're working with clients. And instead of acting on this, like, Oh, I need to only allow two hours a week or whatever client calls or whatever story you would create. You're like, no, this is actually okay. And like, I, Have the system where I get to analyze this and everything. I think that's so amazing. And what you said about that some things feel like they take forever, but they actually don't. Like maybe those client calls or emails, you're like spending 10 minutes buffering, thinking about how you don't want to send it when actually, if you just had a template or something, it takes five minutes that's so important. And even when it comes to like understanding, I always talk about energy management instead of time management. And I feel like tracking your time with that and even just noting how you're feeling can really help you create days, schedule, client packages that feel good for you. And that will just propel your business because you're feeling good. Your clients can sense that you're feeling good. Your work is great. That is so cool. I love that so much. What was drawing those boundaries with clients? Have you ever like had to juggle that? Because it sounds like you have a really clear system. And so I'm curious if we can learn a little bit about that or have you struggled with that in the past?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I think especially, you know, as creatives, as people that want to work for ourselves, a lot of times we end up starting a business because we see a need that we want to meet. And so I think a lot of people in business are definitely givers. And it can be easy to give in a way that's not helpful because a lot of times, you know, we can assume, oh, my client probably wants me to do this. And, you know, maybe they don't, maybe that isn't really significant to them. And so I would say, first of all, for me, I struggle with that, that I, I like to kind of be an overachiever. So if like, for example, early on in my business, the client didn't have all of their content, or something I would just kind of step in and lend a hand and I think on the one hand that made it easy for people but on the other hand it would have been better if I had had firmer boundaries and said okay well once you get this to me then we'll get going on that because that would be incentive for them motivation for them to really do the hard work they needed to do because this isn't just about getting stuff up on their website it's about them getting clarity And then kind of reaping those intangible benefits of going through a branding process. And so really, your lack of boundaries, all that to say, it's not just to your own detriment, but it really can compromise what a client should experience. It's not about being the bad guy and saying, hey, you didn't turn this in or hey, we need this. It's really to serve them well. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone is ultimately happier and projects go more smoothly when there's clear expectations, and then those are able to be fulfilled. Brene Brown says that clear is kind. Mm -hmm. And I could not agree more. To me, that sums up so much. And for someone like myself, I think my baseline is to think, oh, well, I can be very flexible. We can keep things really nebulous. You know, and maybe that's Mm -hmm. like kind of a typical creative personality. Mm -hmm. But what I've learned over the years is that really applies to business as well. That clear is kind. So, be clear if you need something a certain date or if plans are going to change. That's something I'm always trying to work on because I do have this flexible mindset. I kind of have to force myself to be like, oh, wait, some things have pivoted in our schedule. So, I'm going to need to let these people know. And I'm a constant work in progress
0: on that. I love Clearest Kind. Yeah, it is so true that I I don't know if it's like because a lot of us are maybe less heavy on the thinking side. We're more like intuitive or a feeler, but it does feel like creatives or like Women, it is easy for us to not be clear and just want to appease everyone, especially when you're starting out in your business because you like want those referrals. You want them to have like raving things to say about you. So you're like, oh, I'll bend over backwards, which sometimes that's like good to an extent. But once you, you know, have clients in the door and you're nailing down your process, it's so important and i think you mentioned the example of like a client needing help with their content and that's not something you know you're offering them that's not clearly what you're doing for them and it's so true that and you were touching on that like in the long run it's not going to help them like they need to learn to write their own content and go through that with the branding process with you you know available for them I'm wondering if there was a time when you felt like you really started to thrive instead of just surviving. Was there a turning point in your business? I feel like that. I wish I had some epic story to tell everyone
1: that, you know, Oh, this was the moment of clarity. You know, it was, it was an uphill slog until I got to this point and then everything was great after that. But I have to say, it has been a series of starts and stops Mm. and, you know, falling down and getting back up and you have bad days and you have good days. You have days where, You are absolutely in love with what you're doing and you have to like pull yourself away out of the creative process or out of kind of architecting the system and your business or whatever really gets you excited. And then there's days where it's challenging and you're working by yourself and you're this echo chamber in your own head and the negativity can really spiral. And so I have definitely been there many, many times over the years. So I love what you do, Caroline, that you help people shift their mindsets and see potential, and kind of you told me you're all about helping people get over their own BS and letting that affect their business, mm-hmm. because I will definitely say that no one has held me back in my business as much as myself. Mm-hmm. It's wild to me the support that I have encountered from friends, family or maybe you know they don't even understand what I do, but definitely I've been so fortunate that I haven't had um, negativity for sure. Mm-hmm from people and just even with prospective clients or clients have actually taken on. Of course, I've had some bad situations. Everyone does. There's always going to be a time when you work with someone that it's not a fit for either party. And that's something to navigate. And you can look at that as, Oh, I had a nightmare client. And I think genuinely, you know, I think people can do things out of integrity. And I'm not trying to say things don't go wrong. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I think it's more just a fit. And where is that person at in their life? What are they struggling with personally? I think all of that affects how people behave and what they do. And it's up to you to to kind of shut things down when you need to and say, Hey, this isn't working out. Anyway, so definitely I've been there. I just want to paint like the broad picture that I've experienced such phenomenal support from clients, perspective Mm -hmm. clients alike. Even people that you would consider competition. Some of my closest friends are other designers who we were kind of growing our businesses together and are continuing to, we can bounce things off of each other. But where I've encountered the most trouble has been with myself. And I think particularly when you work for yourself, you're the one who's telling yourself what to do. And then you're the one who's then going and doing it and reporting back to yourself. And that can be kind of a really inefficient management system Mm -hmm. where there's just, it's easy to, I guess, be overly hard on yourself. And then also it's easy to to give way too much leeway with yourself. So that's a real struggle for me on an ongoing basis, kind of figuring out how do I self manage as I'm Mm -hmm. learning to manage other people and growing that skill set, which is really a newer skill set for me, even though I've been working with Rebecca for a long time. Now that I'm trying to bring on more people to really strengthen our offerings even more. So we have experts doing different things for our clients. And it's not me kind of wearing so many different hats, which I think as business owners, a lot of times we start off kind of doing that. And yeah, you can do all those different duties. But hopefully, you know, if it's not something you want to be doing then hopefully you can hire someone eventually to do that. So I'm trying to work on becoming a better delegator and administrator. Mm -hmm. But I think when it comes to
0: managing myself, that can be really tricky. Yeah. What are some roadblocks? Or I guess, how have you been able to kind of keep yourself in check with managing yourself? Do you have any systems that are working for you right now? So we have
1: actually kind of implemented some things this year as a team which has been really good so we've started doing a bi-weekly brainstorm call Mm -hmm. with hannah and rebecca so my va and my designer and that's been so helpful because we'll talk about more long-term type stuff we don't use the time to discuss client projects or anything like that so it's really just a spot on our calendar that i know we're going to talk about something internal and it might be hey, we're kind of smoothing out road bump that's happening in our process or we're going to start doing this differently. You know, we've made time frame shifts to like overall kind of project flow in those calls. We've also talked about marketing. They're going to help me pick a branding photographer soon for like new marketing images for 2020. Mm -hmm. So things like that, it's nice to have other people weigh in. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas I think for me, for example, okay, I know I need to pick a branding photographer for this year. But for me, it's like, oh, I would almost rather not have to make that decision because mm-hmm. it's not pressing. There's not mm-hmm. a sure deadline. Like I could do those images anytime. And then I can also, I don't know if anyone listening can relate to this, but I can also start to justify like, well, maybe we don't really need those images or mm-hmm. how much, you know, that that's an investment. I don't know. You know, maybe I'll just kind of drag my feet on it. But so yeah, I think having other people as a sounding board and even just to start verbalizing the things that are working or aren't working and then allowing them to give input is also really valuable because I might look at things a certain way, but a lot of times they're going to come at it with a much better answer than me, or they're just going to have a different take and say, well, you know, have you thought about this Catherine? So that's been super helpful for me to kind of shift from
0: just being so siloed to learning to start to ask for help. Oh, that's so good. I love that so much. How have you found community as a business owner? I know you mentioned that you're close with other designers. What does that look like for you? When Rising Tide was just launching, I helped start the Tuesdays Together
1: chapter in Louisville, which is where I live in Louisville, Kentucky. And I met the most amazing people through that. It was really just such a gift to to get to know people that were in the trenches doing this business thing. Prior to that, I had gone to several conferences, which was also really invigorating for me in those startup years. I typically don't attend conferences anymore in this season of my life, but that was such a helpful thing when I was just in the thick of it. You know, when you're starting Mm -hmm. something, you're dreaming, you're trying to figure all these different things out. It's so helpful to go to something where there's just so many topics that are addressed but even more helpful is forming those relationships with people. So one of the friends that I made through that was at making things happen in Chapel Hill. And I met a friend of mine, Lindy, that now seven years later we still will get on video calls and kind of talk through what we're struggling with in our business. Mm -hmm. We have very candid, honest conversations about our work challenges. And that is such a gift to have that safe space you know, periodically when we're able to do it, we just pick up right where we left off. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: that is something that I value so much. And then through Tuesdays Together, I did meet some other local designers who became really close friends. And we're still very close to this day. So that was helpful. And then now um, there's two other designers that I'll kind of get together with regularly to co-work with. Maybe I would say like once every other month or sometimes once a month, just depending on the season in our lives. So we'll actually just meet up at a coffee shop and work and then kind of chat if we're doing something that is not, you know, it's more like a monotonous design task. Mm. We'll just kind of talk about work stuff as we go. And then other times we'll meet up for lunch and just kind of talk about our goals or, you know, what's going well, what's not. But it's really shifted into more than just a business friendship. I mean, they're, they're honestly my friends as well, so... That's been so wonderful. So I highly encourage you to, you know, go meet people. And don't just leave it at, okay, I went to a networking thing or I went to a conference. Make time to, you know, make that sacred that you're going to have a call at least, you know, six times a year or something, you mm-hmm. know, and it's not that you have to do something every single week. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just unrealistic. But finding what works for everyone and just blocking off that time on your calendar, it is so rich. And I feel like that's the kind of stuff that keeps me going in my business during those hard seasons when it does feel lonely, or it feels stressful or mm-hmm. overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And that's when you can just connect and realize that other people are feeling the same things, that you are so not Mm -hmm. alone. And I think it's really the thought that it's just you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that you're, you're like, something's wrong with you and Mm -hmm. you are broken. And I think a lot of times we can have these really negative feedback loops in our heads and that can be so crippling because the thing is, once you start making deeper friendships, our work relationships you realize that, oh no, everyone deals with this. Everyone has stressful projects or mm-hmm. clients, that they're not really quite sure how to write that hard email back or how to hop on that video call to talk to or whatever. And it just makes things so much less scary. And then I think you can start moving forward. Something I've realized in the last few years, going through some hard things in my life personally, is that a lot of times it's the buildup, the anticipation of something that is the hardest part. And so it can be the dread of something that you can, you can spend so much emotional energy thinking and turning about, oh, okay, what am I going to do? Or, you know, you go through a million scenarios in your head and you can just burn so much energy, which I know you really specialize in helping people manage their energy versus their time. I love that perspective. And then you get to the conversation, you have it and it, and, you know, nine times out of 10, it goes fine. Or maybe it, you know, maybe you're not like doing the happy dance afterwards, but you mm-hmm. know, it's, you move through things mm-hmm. and life goes on and then you pick up from there. And so, yeah, the dread of things is something that I think, especially working for yourself is something you have to learn to manage. And that's something that I continue to to wrestle with and work on. But definitely the relationships is a huge part of that.
0: Wow. That was so good. Everything you just said, I mean, about community. And then I love the dread of things and how we play it up to be this big thing. And we have these stories going on in our head. That was so good. I'm like, mic drop blown away right now, Catherine. So true about having just somebody you can talk to and say what's going on. Like, honestly, I feel like that's like better than a business coach or a therapist. Sometimes is just having somebody who was there last week who gets it, who you can just like, with no apologies, just say, oh, I'm just feeling so weird about this launch I'm having and I'm thinking about doing this or doing this. It's like your friend's like, why are you doing this or this? You, you're doing great or... Oh, it's so true because, yes, we sometimes believe we're so alone when it's actually the complete opposite. And so many other people are going through the same things and unfortunately, we're just not that special. <laughs> to be the only ones ones going through it. And even though like often, you know, your story where you are, you're doing the best you can, that is all unique. But at the same time, like connecting with other people, when your partner doesn't get it, your mom doesn't get it, your girlfriend from high school, they, they don't maybe get it as much as you'd like them to having those, I call them biz besties is so amazing. Gosh, and everything you said about (laughs) dreading things, I feel like really relates even to, well, I'm wondering if you kind of like picked up on that more because you sound like you're so, it seems like you're pretty systematized in how you see things. Do you know your Enneagram number? I do. Yeah. I'm a two wing three. Oh, wow. Okay. I was going to guess you were a one or something because, (laughs) but I really think it's just because you have like developed that skill to like look at kind of the data and what's going on. So that is seriously so good. So what are some of the biggest wins that you've had in your business? I think every
1: launch that we do is such an honor to me, honestly, to get to be part of that. And I think in today's day and age, you know, for lack of a better term, I think having your online storefront or your online presence is a huge deal. I think if someone gets a referral, what's the first thing they're going to do? They're probably going to look up that person either on social media and then probably click over to their website or maybe just Google them because they're trying to find the social media and they're probably going to go through the website first. And so a lot of times the website may not be the first point of contact for a hot lead. I think for a cold lead, a lot of times it is, but in that situation, realize, you know this is the first impression and then this is going to be you know what I was mentioning at the beginning of our talk Caroline is all the different touch points throughout the business you want it to all feel cohesive and point back so if I work with a wedding planner and they're delivering their wedding proposal to a client or they're delivering the document that lists out all the little details that they have quoted out and they're caring for and they're making sure happen and they've you know hired us to create a template for that that fits with their branding and their own workflow. To me that's really significant because it's really supporting what they're doing. And so what I do, I feel like on the one hand it's it's not flashy or glamorous, but I feel like to me I love it so much because It's being the supporting melody or, you know, allowing someone else to really do the work and hopefully they'll be able to shine. Hopefully they'll feel more confident after having things in that context. You know, I think one way I look at branding is the way you're framing something up. To me, the visual part of branding, obviously branding is not just visual. It's the look of something, it's the voice, and then it's the impression that you leave. It's those three things working together that create a brand. But When I think about the visual aspect, it's like, okay, if you find a piece of art in a cluttered attic, and you know, maybe there's some dust, some cobwebs around and whatever's around it, like honestly, if it's around a lot of junk and garbage, you're probably going to be like, okay, that's a piece of art. All right. Okay, whatever. Well, if you saw that same piece of art, and it was in a gallery on a white wall, and there was a spotlight on it, and it was beautifully matted up and framed. And there was a little plaque next to it explaining what time period of the artist's life this was created in and what this meant to them, you would probably look at that and be like, wow, I think that's worth a lot. And I think when it comes to a creative business, how you frame up what you do matters so much because you have an opportunity to tell a story about why what you're doing is significant or why what you're doing impacts the clients that you work with in particularly meaningful ways. And so the visuals it's like, yeah, a logo is not going to change your life, but it can shift perception. And to me, that's incredibly valuable. And so to get to do that, like, that's an honor. And so every launch, you know, all the different details that go into a launch, it is, you know, it's amazing. You know, even with a website launch we had recently, you know, I think we had like seven pages of, you know, notes and final edits that we were going in and making sure that each of those details was cared for. And that's tedious, but to me that's an accomplishment when i know that okay we've really cared for everything we've tested it on you know different browsers on different devices to me that stuff matters so yeah mm-hmm. i'm i'm proud of that i'm just thankful for each client we've gotten to work with we've gotten to work with some people that i think i would say all of them are really passionate about what they do and all of them are very hard workers and so whether they have a larger following or not to me that It's not like, Oh, wow, I'm so honored I got to work with so and so. But I think to me, it's like, I'm so honored to work with people that I know they've put blood, sweat and tears into this business. And then they're trusting me to make a recommendation. So you know, those are the projects that I feel like we're really able to do our best work when we're able to collaborate on a research process and then take more of a consulting role in the design process, mm-hmm. I think that's where I'm really able to do the best supporting work where it's like, okay, I'm making someone shine because I was able to come in and make a recommendation versus doing a direct visual collaboration on branding. Mm-hmm. And it really creates a different experience for the client that way too. So mm-hmm. I'm proud of the times we've gotten to do that. and. You know, then the times when projects have gone a little bit differently, I also feel like everything happens for a reason. And at the end of the day, you know, I want them to have something that they feel good about. So sometimes we do shift our process a little bit. So you're right. I am really systems oriented, but I've also learned that one thing that's important as a business owner is to try not to get precious about the work or like, mm. oh, you know, I mean, you want to have boundaries. You want to have a good flow. You lead someone through, especially if you're doing any type of service. But at the same time, realize that sometimes it's not going to work for someone and it's not like a personal thing. It doesn't mean your whole system's broken. Sometimes maybe they just are at a different point in their life where they're not able to like receive what you've created that serves someone else so well, or maybe they just have a different personality and, and that's okay too. But yeah, I feel like for me, all the times I've gotten to do more consulting type of design, it's always like stronger work.
0: I just love that you like that. That was your answer, like your clients and getting to launch them because it's really obvious that you love your clients, that that's where your heart is. And that's where your business is. And that's how you're able to be in business for seven years and have the amazing clients you have. I love that. And I feel like that really is a testament to I know it sounds cheesy, but like doing something you love and working with clients that you really love and care about their success, that's good for you and your business too. Like that's a smart business move, let alone it feels really good and I'm sure in alignment for you. What is something that you're curious about right now? Ooh, like with design or business? Anything. Yeah.
1: Oh well. I'll tell you my current personal obsession. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> my current personal obsession is baking and cooking. Mm. So, that I am becoming very curious about just learning how to cook more challenging dishes mm. and bakers has been really fun for me. I've always loved cooking and baking, but I think that's my current personal curiosity. And then I would say, on the work side of things, I'm definitely curious about learning how to delegate more. So, mm that's something I've really been trying to shift my mindset about because I definitely feel a lot of guilt when I ask someone else to do something. Cause I think, Oh, I could just do that myself. Mm-hmm. Or am I, you know, all of these weird limiting beliefs come up for me, which maybe if you're listening to this, you've had some of these as well. When you think about hiring someone or when even just assigning stuff to someone you've already hired, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think, Oh, am I just lazy? I think, Uh, Can I really afford this? So I have like some money limiting beliefs there. Mm -hmm. I think, are they going to do it how I want them to? So I have like some control (laughs) going Mm -hmm. on or, you know, some perfectionist tendencies would be like a sugarcoat way of saying that. (laughs) But you know, all of those, those different limiting beliefs can come up for us and then really keep us from, from having the business that we want and creating the life that we want. So that's something that I've been curious about. Okay. How can I, make it easier for myself to delegate something and something I've just had a light bulb about in the last couple of months is realizing, okay, if I want to shut down those limiting beliefs quicker and actually delegate versus being like, Oh, well, I just won't have them do it this time or whatever, whatever I justify to myself. We use Slack as a team and that's been so helpful because now I'll just go into Slack and I'll just send a message to whoever is doing it and say, hey, can you do this? Let me know when you can do it. And that has taken so much stress out of delegation for me. Mm-hmm. I know some people listening to this are probably super type A, like, I mean, I do color code my closet. So maybe I have some of that going on. <laughs> but I really, I don't want to maintain a project management system. You know, for mm-hmm. me, that is like nailed on a chalkboard. Like, I don't want to go into, we use sauna for mm-hmm. to-dos and project management. I don't want to go in there and set up a to-do, write a description, set a deadline, tag it as urgent or tag it as not urgent. Like to me, I'm like, that would take me so long. I'm like, I could just do the thing, you know, and at least part of the time, probably. Because like, to me, that's like how hard of my brain that is. So what I've started doing is just slacking someone, hey, here's the thing. And then they will put it into a sauna. And then hopefully, you know, kind of creating more of the culture of like, we all self manage what we need to do. And yes, there's accountability, but then I can just go back through Slack and reply and check in if I don't hear back on something. Um, so that has just taken so much stress out of it for me. So mm-hmm. I've been curious about, okay, that's been such a game changer for me recently. I wonder what else. Like, mm-hmm. what other hurdle have I thrown up for myself? Because again, I'm my own biggest enemy here. Mm-hmm. You know, no one else is coming in and it's like, "Hey, Catherine, we're going to make it really hard for you to to be a delegator." know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's all Catherine's doing. So I'm curious, you know, if that made such a big impact. What other things could I do that would just free me up to make it easy, like almost effortless? To be like, "Here, I'm going to assign something to you and." make it easy to give feedback or whatever. So there have been some other things. We've also started using Loom more, which has been really helpful. So if you're not familiar, Loom is a screen recorder. And the nice thing about it is it automatically uploads it. You can like share it or put it in a folder. Um, Whereas QuickTime, obviously you have to do those extra steps of like uploading your screen recording. So Loom is great to just do a quick tutorial. And so I've started... But some of our onboarding, especially our project kickoffs, anytime I was having Hannah do something for that, like kickoff, I made a loom for it and then put it in a folder. So now we kind of have all that. So next quarter, hopefully, I'll just be able to say, hey, Hannah, can you go through all those tasks in loom, you know, versus having to go into a sauna and write out like 10 different to do's and that's just that's like very inefficient to me so I'm trying to just think like okay I don't need to hold people's hands or babysit them like they're not asking and I think maybe that's where you asked about Enneagram earlier I'm a two Mm -hmm. so I totally am (laughs) someone that it's almost like I find some kind of satisfaction into making something easy for someone and so I've had Mm -hmm. to shift my thinking there or it's like no that's not that's not my job that's not my responsibility they just need to know what I need and then they can figure out the rest, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in terms of management. So Mm -hmm.
0: what are some like top branding tips you would give someone, say we met at a networking event, we have like five minutes and I just started my business or I've been in there for a year. What are some of your top branding tips?
1: Oh yeah. So I would check to make sure you have name exclusivity because a lot of times that can be a problem years later and go ahead and file for a trademark. And You make sure you have everything like secured handles, domains, all that. And then if you're going through a visual branding process or you're doing it yourself, I would say use Pinterest to gather inspiration, but I would not use it to gather design inspiration. I would Mm. definitely at least start by only looking at images that are indicative of the type of work you want to be doing, the type of clients that you envision your services being the best fit for. And really the feeling that you want to create with your product or offering. And so that can translate to a lot of different types of prompts. But I would say try to gather images that places that you feel like your dream client would love to hang out in. Or it could be outfit that your client would live in. Things like that is what I'm talking about. Let that be your inspiration for the type of thing you're wanting to attract And then you're going to end up creating such stronger visuals, whether you're DIYing or whether you're working with a designer. But if you immediately start just looking at, oh, I like this logo. Okay, I'm going to piece this together. Honestly, you're probably going to end up copying someone, Mm -hmm. which is a very real issue and you want to avoid that. And it just honestly, beyond any kind of legal things or just the lack of integrity that I think copying has, it also is not going to be powerful marketing for you. Because when something is created from a place of just what other people are doing, yeah, you can come up with something pretty. But if you create your visual branding from a place of why you're in business, that's when you can have really high impact. And I think the visuals are going to be so much more compelling. There's going to be more nuance, more intention, more detail. And people can just see that. They may know nothing about graphic design, but they're just going to be more attracted to it. It's going to be stronger design, I promise you. So please start with why and not someone else's what. That's mm-hmm. honestly probably my biggest branding tip because it's so easy to look at other people's logos and kind of be like, oh, I like this, I like that. And mm-hmm. the thing is, like, this isn't this isn't like a build a bear, you know? This is this is a build a business. So mm-hmm. let's keep it that way. So yeah, those are the two biggest things for website. Um, I would just say feel free to you know start something simple. If you don't have revenue to invest back into your business right now, if you're in the startup phase, just get a clean Squarespace template. You know, we utilize Squarespace for all of our sites that I custom designed in Illustrator and then we bring into Squarespace. We have a very specific process that we do, and I think that's something that makes us a little bit different is how we utilize Squarespace. But if you're just starting your DIY, like use a clean template. Mm-hmm. Don't try to like reinvent the wheel too much, honestly, mm-hmm. because if a professional designer made the template that you're either purchasing or utilizing, just go with what they recommended if you're just starting. And I think there's room for you later on to customize something and make, make it really distinctive. But I think people can end up kind of compromising their online presence when they do that too soon. If you have a background in design, obviously go for it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think website Use a strong, clean template. And then also just make sure that you're using calls to action really effectively. Mm -hmm. Really short, concise buttons that, you know, you have a clear message, like book a free consult or contact, um, make an appointment. Like think about what is the main goal of your website and make sure you're driving to people, to that goal at every opportunity Mm -hmm. Um, so that button needs to be really like clear and visible in the header on every single page in the footer you know throughout your page body are you leading them into the next website page with the clear button or link clickable image however you do that definitely think about that because the template isn't going to do that for you you need to take a little time to think strategically you know if I have one product I'm trying to get people to buy on the site make it super easy to buy that product you know on every page.
0: Mm-hmm. It's so easy to want people to come to your website, come to you and do all the things. You're like, I want to have all the options for them. We can do one on one. I have this little $30 thing. I got a podcast. I got a blog, all these things. And sometimes can overwhelm people to just choose one, but it's so important that your website is like, has that goal behind it. So I love that advice. Those were such good tips. Catherine, how can everyone learn more about you?
1: So I'd love to connect with you. If you listen to this and you have any questions, please send me a DM on Instagram. My handle is at creme brands and our website is cremebrands.com. But thank you so much for having me, Caroline. It's been a joy to chat with you today.
0: Thank you for being a part of the creative expert movement, share this episode with a friend or on social media. So together we can empower creatives to charge more, work less and fall back in love with their businesses. If you're ready to jump in and become a creative expert, I have a free training where you'll find out yes or no. If you're ready to launch an expert product, like a course coaching or in-person event, go to become a and DM me on Instagram. Instagram while you're watching so that together we can make a custom plan for you to become your industry's go-to leader. Thanks so much for listening to the Creative Expert Podcast. I'll see you next week.